0: You're listening to Rosie on the House.
1: Good Saturday morning, Arizona homeowners, as we pull up here to a nice place in Tonopah that we're going to be talking about. It's been family-owned and operated for years, started as a wedding gift. The original original flock of Hickman's chickens came a 60, if I remember correctly from my history. 60 chickens were given to the Hickman's for their wedding, and it's become the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the standard in chicken's egg production in the southwest it is the first saturday of the month so we are talking farm fresh and julie murphy with the arizona farm bureau the spokeswoman has brought the spokes hen yeah and with you this morning from hickman's good morning
2: Sharman hickman thanks, thanks for, morning thanks for joining us thanks for having us
1: the arizona farm bureau represents <laughs> all things agricultural in arizona which is how big of an industry
2: it is a $23.3 billion industry, and if you're part of the Farm Bureau family, you're part of that industry, whether you farm or not. So join the family and have a lot of fun with us.
1: You can join the conversation at one 767 4348 or text during the broadcast, 411-923, and you can also email in to info at rosieonthehouse.com. What we've done this year with our 30th anniversary and our broadcast calendars, we've tied in something specific to what's going on locally. Now, we're past Easter, but this was the closest Saturday you were into Easter, so it was a natural fit for eggs, even though May is the National Egg Month. Well, you know what, May is also National Beef Month as well, and we'll be talking beef next week, so we're talking eggs today. But from chickens, we get a lot more than eggs, and we'll get to that, but what on our Arizona Ag Wheel, which portion does this go into? We've got carrots, we've got beef, we've got melons. Is, is this a poultry section?
3: We don't have our own no. section. You don't have your own? No, we room with dairy. Dairy, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So how does poultry and eggs tie into dairy? That Breakfast. Breakfast. Come
3: on. <laughs> Milk and eggs? Milk and eggs? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that works. So this would be found under the dairy section. Right. Okay. That Now I was wondering where they hid y'all. Back up a little bit. What, what year was this first flock of 60 hens?
3: Well, my grandparents came from construction, and um, so they settled in Arizona. They're from the Midwest, big farming community. And so when they settled in Arizona, it was traditional um, just like it is now, cool to have chickens in the backyard. But my grandma was the original chicken whisperer, and so she she had a flock in the backyard, and she would she would trade out to local farmers onions for eggs and um, and whatnot. But uh, so my parents got married, and my mom could sell water to someone drowning. So my dad wanted to own his own company, and um, they started an egg farm with um, a wedding present, and they had to sell their ski boat. <laughs> and the rest is history. She's still better about the ski boat.
1: And this was 60 chickens in the neighborhood. How many chickens now are at the Hickman?
3: At the multi-site? Farm?
1: Well, all sites combined.
3: Just under 10 million hens <laughs> from uh, day-old chickens to uh, the senior ones laying the jumbos.
1: 10 million chickens. Now, there's a portion of them that are in the... They're growing. what do you call it chicken farm right a big temperature control but then there's also a free range flock
3: Absolutely in Hudson Colorado and so they they get to actually go outdoors so uh, climate is conducive to that We know that uh, our hens can't go outside in the desert because they're just not used to it. There are people that are successful in Arizona with backyard flocks but we wouldn't be successful
1: not not to the tune of six million chickens if you took empty tonopah out to the open door that, that would be pretty catastrophic pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. so you've got multiple sites and multiple locations that lets mm-hmm. you distribute a lot easier than having them all in one
3: mm-hmm. and we're uh, we're right off a of rail site so now we can get our feed mill that we we built back in 2010 We are getting uh, rail cars in and making our own feed so we can control the quality of feed and uh, superior nutrition. So uh, that is what's keeping our hens healthy and superior habitats. And Romy, I've been in their barns and it's very comfortable.
2: And those those chicks, they're pampered. The hens are pampered. It's kind of fun to see the whole operation. And then apparently there's a barn manager for each one of the barns. Mm -hmm. Those guys, they take care of their hens.
3: Yeah, it, it's called a living. It's called a living. <laughs> it's called a living. So um, it actually, in in the hottest part of the summer, it's uh, cooler in our chicken houses, in the middle of the chicken houses, than it is in many people's homes. And it has to be because they can't they can't be stressed.
1: Like you said, it is y'all's livelihood, and the more comfortable the chickens are, the better production you get. So it's the best interest to keep them in a very clean, healthy, stable environment. Absolutely. So we've got the rail card installed and you've got feed coming direct. Once the feed is out the other side when the eggs are being shipped, how long from the eggs being hatched? What's the process of inspecting, packaging, and getting shipped to the store
3: it depends on your grocery retailer how fast they sell their eggs and we know there some are busier than others but literally uh, we can beat a farmers market and we're not bashing farmers markets we embrace all types of agriculture especially laying hens and we could actually get those eggs that were laid the night before onto trucks and going to different distribution points whether it's a food service warehouse and Going to uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, or parts of California. Um, but you can literally get that egg less than 24 hours. It, of course, depends on the retailer.
1: Depends on the retailer, mm-hmm. but you could get it streamlined as fast as 24 hours. Absolutely. So that's pretty impressive, considering the screening that the eggs go through before they're ever packaged.
3: Right. We um. So we were kids... Uh, Growing up and uh, we all had different uh, skills and um, we worked on some of those original machines and we can literally say getting bigger or bigger, not better, getting bigger has been getting better because we look at the machines now and they're so much easier on people that are working with us. Um, Those robots, they, they take a lot of stress off. I mean, imagine loading eggs 10 hours a day, uh, now robots come alongside our human staff and make that job easier and safer.
2: And it's good for our eggs, too, because you have less breakage and all that other challenging stuff that comes with managing the, the amount of eggs that you're producing on a daily basis. That's right. That the hens are producing on a daily basis. Yes.
1: Now, how long from the time a hen's born to the point it will start producing?
3: Anywhere, you, Of course, they vary because they're animal species. So any, um, we expect to start seeing eggs after that 18th week after she pecks out of her shell. So, uh, yes, you can see an egg 16, 17 weeks, but you want them to come in to production anywhere after that 18 week. And as she ages, her, her eggs get bigger. Um, when she is young, um, the, everything's formulating right. You see a lot of double yolks. And as she ages into the senior years, um, she's laying double yolks and jumbos. So they're traditionally five sizes of eggs in your grocery store, Um, large being the the most popular because it's on feature the most, and most recipes do call for large. But um, jumbos, um, those are from our older ladies, but they still have a job with us.
1: And how long will a chicken be productive?
3: A uh, chicken should be ovulating throughout their life cycle. We keep them just a little over two years, and depending on the time of year and the need, like we just passed Easter, every every hen has a job because that is historically high egg. You know that's a very popular month, and then um, during the October through December, uh, we keep them we keep them laying for us because those are cooking. Uh, you know, temperatures down. People are cooking and baking more, and um, those are very high egg usage
1: months. Now, the amount of stats on nutritional value and health value and just egg facts are—that's
3: another show. It is.
1: <laughs> but what's what's your primary nutritional value out of an egg?
3: Primary nutritional is it is the second highest protein in the egg white that you can get. Mother's milk is the first highest quality protein, but um, with the the predominance of sugar in our environment, it is the egg is one of the best blood sugar regulators you can get. So um, you know you they that's why they call it breakfast breaking the fast because you're usually waking up, your blood sugar needs to be stabilized, and that is one of the best. Naturally occurring, readily available, and very affordable things you can eat in the morning.
1: Stabilize your blood sugar with mm-hmm. egg and maybe a donut and some bacon what? with <laughs> some maple syrup. <laughs> uh,
3: I didn't hear donut.
2: Oh, Charmin! One time when you were having a conversation with me because you have you know so much about the nutrient nutrition of an egg. It almost encompasses every requirement we have except for C. That's why okay. you always
3: see just. Go ahead and, and pair that with uh, delicious juice. fruit. Right.
2: So um, so it's almost complete mm-hmm. nutrition in one egg.
3: Uh, every essential vitamin except for C. And they are coming out with uh, new research, and it's, it's already uh, available. But the egg is actually one of the best things you could eat if you get uh, a craving to eat something at night because it's supposed to um, increase... Or actually enhance uh, your sleep. So um, sleep disruption is one of the, the worst things in United States. And um, have an egg be instead of a sugar item that you mentioned. We're not going to mention that.
1: So you go to sleep to an egg and you wake up to an egg.
3: That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Put an egg on everything.
1: You really can. <laughs> even Even on a cheeseburger at lunch.
3: Absolutely. Even a salad. Now, how long
1: can an will an egg last?
3: An egg, it depends, because we refrigerate in the United States. So um, many people in other countries, European countries, our neighbor Mexico, um, they don't refrigerate. So you can keep them out. We it is a lot to refrigerate right out, you know, right after processing. So and it does um, consistent temperature will maintain freshness. Um, so. After the expiration date, uh, the state egg inspector from the Department of Ag will guarantee those eggs a week, or no, 30 days beyond that um, expiration or buy-through date. How do you like your eggs in the morning? I
0: like mine with a kiss.
3: Boiled or fried?
0: I'm satisfied. Back as live in, in studio,
1: we have a whole like panel kids. with us this morning as we're Farm Fresh, talking eggs, we have Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau, Charmin Hickman of Hickman's Eggs, and then we have Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice, the other byproduct of eggs we'll get to, but there was a few nutritional facts you wanted to squeeze in there.
3: Because we're in the sun state, we have uh, the egg yolk, uh, contains carotenoids that are very hard to get, um, and the body doesn't assimilate the ones that you can take um, from a vitamin bottle. So... Not as well, but the the yolk has it, and also um, the yolk has um, the carotenoids that will um, enhance eye health and um, mental acuity, so it narrows focus, and that's really good for maybe people at work and students in schools. I need all the focus I can get at work. (laughs) Sleep better. Sleep
1: better. See better. Think better, and then you had mentioned the vitamin D.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, the yolk contains vitamin D. So basically, we sell you a naturally occurring vitamin bottle in the form of an egg.
1: So the most important question then, fried or scrambled?
3: I like them over easy, so I don't fry them. I like mine over easy too, actually.
1: Yeah. Jay, do you have I, a preference? I, you
0: know, I, I like eggs just about anyway.
1: I, I like them. James. I like them.
0: I like them scrambled with just about anything you can think of, to throw in there with yeah.
1: them. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there. Over easy, I. Oh, I like those two. I
0: like them poached. <laughs> actually, poached eggs are one of my favorite.
1: So hard-boiled eggs do not last in our home. Oh, really? We've got a little maker. You just pop them in there, and you got a timer, and they're done. And I mean, within hours, they're just gone.
2: Hard-boiled is actually how I eat my eggs every day because it's just convenient. You can do it. On the weekend, and then I've got them ready the whole week.
1: (laughs) There you go. So we had talked about inside these chicken farms and their habitats. Well, I also understand there's conveyor belts that constantly take the waste away, and we create another byproduct from the chicken with that.
0: Chickens, you know, will uh, produce about a pound of manure a month. Poultry manure, poultry waste is... um, and we really don't like to call it waste because we don't waste it, um, is very high in, as far as animal uh, manures go, it's, it's probably the most effective as a fertilizer because it's higher in nitrogen. Cow manure, dairy manures, uh, they're a great source of organic material, but you really get very little nitrogen, which is what most of our soils here are lacking because of lack of rainfall. Here in the desert, our soils are very, very low, uh, virtually have no nitrogen, and that's the essential nutrient for creating growth and foliage and stems and green color into plants, whether you're growing, you know, a leafy green vegetable like our farmer customers in Yuma, or pecans uh, like our customers in southeast Arizona, or our backyard gardeners, our our citrus growers, uh, even alfalfa and cotton uh, as farmers and and gardeners find that they need to be either more organic or incorporating more organic material back into our soil and because there again we have we live in the desert and we have no really very little rainfall very little vegetation Um, our soils are have very little if any organic material in them as well and so uh, we have so we have a great source for organic materials for reincorporating for rebuilding the, the soil profiles with organic material, plus it's just a great source of of organic nitrogen, and it's higher in nitrogen than any of the
1: other animal byproduct. What's the process? I mean, we don't well, want to get it's too... Actually a, it's
0: actually a pretty clean process. We, we, The barns are set up, as you mentioned, where the, the manure is uh, conveyed out to one end of the barns, and then they're, they go into what's called a drying barn. So it's a covered area at the end of the barns. And we it's windrowed and allowed to dry there and for a period of time then that manure is loaded onto trucks and trucked to uh, our arlington yard where the fertilizer plant and pellet mill are there uh, we're actually in the process almost completing a brand new screening complex so we can increase our uh, capacity and our output of screened um, chicken manure so the the chicken manure then is windrowed. And for people that don't know what that means, if they're interested in long rows of of manure so that it can dry properly because we have there's a lot of moisture in it. And once it becomes screened, we can sell it screened or unscreened depending on what the customer's needs are. Then we, from the screening process, we go to a heat treater and a rotary dryer. So our customers that need product that's pathogen-free, so our leafy green customers or farmers that are growing edibles that are on the ground um, have to have product that's pathogen-free, tested, and and food-safe. That heat treater creates that process, and then we can sell it as a crumble, heat-treated, or then it can go to the pellet mill and get pushed into, uh, into a pellet. We make an ag pellet or an agriculture pellet, We also make a turf pellet, which is a smaller pellet for our golf course and turf and ornamental customers.
1: Now, is anything added in all this process, or it's just dried, heated, packaged? Correct.
0: Our product is all chicken manure. There are companies out there that do take chicken manure and blend it with other things, other products, even synthetic or conventional. We don't do that at all because being sensitive to our organic farming customers You know, if you do that, you either have to have separate plants or you have to go through a cleaning process, you know, disinfect, clean, let it sit before you can run your organic product again.
1: We'll be right back with our guest from the Arizona Farm Bureau, Hickman's Eggs and the Farm's Choice.
2: I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm betting everything I got on you.
1: Thank you for spending your Saturday morning right here at Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for 30 years. It is the first Saturday of the month. It's the 8 o'clock hour, so we're talking farm fresh, and today we're talking eggs because it was the closest Saturday to Easter. that all lined up. Next month we'll be talking beef. June we go into dairy, so then we got a little span here of agricultural products that go into animals. Up to this point, it's always been the produce side of it so it's a lot of fun talking talking animals but the Farm Bureau and what it does for consumers in general we all know that our food comes from farmers or at least we kind of assume that people know that but what the Farm Bureau does for the farmers and also connecting that to the consumer talk just a minute about everything that the Farm Bureau does and some of the other programs that you all
2: Romy, we have a program from almost every generation and every interest. and But at its core, Arizona Farm Bureau is an advocacy group. So that's what's really important for us. But when we connect with our consumers, some of the ways we're doing that is with Fill Your Plate, which is our online directory of direct market farmers and ranchers, fillyourplate.org. We've had it since 2007. We have recipes. You can do a mobile search on all of the farmers markets throughout the state. In fact, it's probably one of the most aggregated Directories of our farmers markets in the state of Arizona. So you have that, the recipes I mentioned, and then the farm and ranch products, where some of our farmers and ranchers are selling to you directly. But we also have uh, a women's program. We have a young farmer and rancher program, and some of these programs can serve you whether you're into farming and ranching or not. We have a membership for our associates, which are non-ag, which is fifty-nine dollars, and then of course the price. There's a price price differentiation if you're a farmer or rancher, and then also it's broken out by county. But So we have all these special programs. Another one of our really unique programs that we have is Ag in the Classroom, and obviously we're reaching out to our classrooms K through six specifically, but we go all the way through high school and college. And one of the neat things, and why it's so special to have one of the Hickmans in the studio with me, is the fact that they've partnered with us on Ag in the Classroom. And I'm going to let Sharman tell the story because I think she tells it better.
3: <laughs> well, our portion comes into the uh, Ag in the Classroom under the Cardinals Farm to Football Program where you can actually, a teacher can download the curriculum and show every student where their uh, food comes from. So where eggs um, each month, uh, October, November, December. There's a different commodity just like you do here. But the teachers can show kids K through 12 and collegiate level um, where their food comes from. We had milk and dairy, we have beef, um, the cotton farmers, we had citrus. So you're, the students know they get a different idea and an accurate view of what is actually happening on the farm, ranch, um, and how that product gets from our, basically on our, our thing, from, from the chicken to your hand. And so the journey is, uh, it's the complete process. It hits everything to do with uh, their STEM. It's state compliant with education standards. And it has a a unique feature that the kids, because we are efficient in how we produce a a very fresh product, we're able to give back. And so we urge the kids to bring in pennies. And those pennies go to uh, fight hunger within their community because they know that one in every four students in their classroom is classified as a food insecure home in Arizona. So they're actually bringing pennies to stop hunger in their own classrooms.
2: It's been a really great program in its second year and we're heading into the third year, or this coming coming fall, and the children are so enthusiastic about participating.
1: And in this farm to football, is there any statistics, I mean, how many eggs do the Cardinals go through at breakfast before <laughs> game day?
3: <laughs> if you are lucky enough to go into the Cardinals training program, they, their bodies are machines and we partnered with Marcus Golden this uh, year and he was telling the kids, um, his, he relies on his body to stay um, competitive so nutrition is, and exercise is are the two primary uh, uh, pillars of how he keeps healthy and how he keeps supporting his family. So it is, um, you can go in there and they tell, um, in in boards, they tell them when they should be eating their protein and according to their activity levels for each day. It's that scientific with um, a pro athlete.
2: And he does like his eggs, so. He <laughs> we... likes them
3: scrambled, by the way.
1: <laughs> so we were covered on that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's agricultural in the classroom as yep. a, a, just an offshoot, one of the many... Services, exactly. programs, that the Farm Bureau?
2: We launched the program in 2007, and we've been able to aggregate and scale it every year, just like farmers do when they're good and efficient, thinking of what, how many eggs or hens you guys started out with. But uh, this year, we'll probably have reached more than 100,000 students in the classroom, uh, students, teacher, teachers, and parents. And each year we set a goal to try to exceed that. And with these partnerships that we have, like with the Hickmans and this farm to football, it allows us to go way beyond what we could have imagined because of funding, because of just partnering with them, some of the things that they do. And for Sharman, I know her and her mom, it's always been a priority that we really get ag in the classroom because we're three, four, five generations separated from having been on the farm. Charmin and I can say we grew up on a farm, so we get it, we know it, but most of our average Americans today don't get that. So it's become a priority for the Hickmans, and specifically Gertie and her mama and Charmin.
1: Now, what is this you've brought in here?
3: Well, we're coming up on Earth Day, but as you know, with farmers, every day is Earth Day and being responsible with our resources. So you are looking at a, by the way, Cardinals uh, label, but that is a 100% pet container, it is the only egg brand that is packaged in 100%. You'd see a, a different combination of recycled materials in the other packaging, and that's three water bottles out of a landfill protecting our oceans and our lakes.
1: And this is something that you all have just started to produce?
3: Well, um, first, second, third generations in this, we're getting better and better. We're very responsive to our customers, saying they're flimsy, but... You know, our our nephew that's running at Brandon, he's a millennial, and he is dedicated to just uh, listening to customers, giving them what they want, just like the rest of us older people in the family. But um, he wants to go with the responsible packaging, and um, we're improving that. So when customers say, hey, it's kind of flimsy, the whole point behind it is you can see through it. So we don't touch the egg from the hen to you. And we like for consumers not to touch it. So you can see through it without touching it because we're gonna blame it. Most of the breakage happens at the grocery store when people are opening and touching. So we don't want, they're tamper proof. We don't want you to touch those eggs. <laughs> trust us, you can trust the farmer.
1: So by seeing through it, you can see that there aren't any broken, both top right. and bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% recycled from the local landfill.
3: Uh, local municipalities, and we urge everybody to use those recycled containers and pick up those water bottles when you see them because it's not just the oceans. We have issues in our fresh water, so we all have to work together.
2: And I will vouch. I'm one of those consumers that always thought I needed to open the carton and check to make sure they weren't broken. When I use that that package, the clear packaging, I don't open it. So you need to tell your nephew, Brandon, that he did, he did good. That's <laughs> right.
1: So it started with eggs, then we've got fertilizer, now we've got recycled uh, egg cartons. cartons. What else could we possibly be coming down the line next?
3: Well, I think my brother would want an egg in everybody's refrigerator on the planet.
1: (laughs) Global expansion. (laughs) That's right.
3: That's right. So it's it's uh, we're we're learning. We we uh, removed the chickens from the cages and listen to the science behind it to keep them happy and still hitting that natural production curve. So we learned a new uh, uh, several new things about our our own hens, and um, now we're we're into our fourth generation running the show, and they believe in it. So so we're able. It's uh, farmers sticking with it, and you know. There's many people that aren't our brothers or sisters out there. There's a lot of people, over a thousand people, are able to call this a living, and they're they're proud. They're part of the one for one percent of us yep. feeding the rest of us.
2: And if ever um, you have any questions about learning some of the things that Sherman said today, we always encourage people to go to our website azfb.org or fillyourplate.org. The fill your plate is our consumer facing website. But also, um, like us at Friends of Arizona Farm Bureau, because we have a whole video section, and one of the sections goes into some of the things that Sharman was talking about, which is the health and nutrition. It's one of the most economical proteins that a family can purchase, and that's a big deal to have such healthy protein and then know that it's so economical. So it's good for our
3: pocketbooks, too.
1: Now, there's countless types of breeds of chicken. What... Is the majority of the Hickman hens
3: the majority is a white Leghorn? They're the most efficient layer. So um, our brown hens are, you know, they're a, a, a crossbreed of a Rhode Island Red and a white Leghorn. So we get a brown egg, but a very efficient laying
1: hen. And so the egg color has nothing to do with, other than anything other than the breed type.
3: Uh, that. Exactly, but consumers will tell us that they taste a difference in the egg and we offer that. We're all about choice and affordability for the consumer. So if they want brown eggs and they say that they taste better, who's you know we are not the judge of that, we want to supply it.
1: Now we've got about two and a half minutes left to finish up this segment. Is there any direction you want me to lead it into?
2: I just uh, encourage our Arizona families to go to fillyourplate.org for nutrition content. We're posting blog articles three times a week, and uh, we're constantly updating our recipes and adding more. Most of the recipes, by the way, come from our farmers and the ranchers. But even if you don't have time to go to Fill Your Plate, just join us on Facebook at Friends of Arizona Farm Bureau because we're posting a weekly weekly video. And obviously most of that has to do with our Arizona agriculture we feature a lot of times our families, like the Hickmans, and get to tell their story in a real special way. Tell it in ninety seconds. It's kind of hard sometimes <laughs> when you think about how much history you have. But uh, we're telling our Arizona agriculture story. And
1: many of those, when you're talking about a family, they're like the Hickmans, fourth generation, or you know, it, it, maybe not quite four, but second, third. I mean, it's one that's of that's not something you can cover in ninety seconds.
2: No, it's it's very hard. One of the families that we featured. If their kids go into ranching, the small houses, you, Madam Andy and Stephanie Smallhouse, if their kids go into the ranching, that will be the sixth generation. So we do have some of those families that are even six and seven generations. And that's what makes it so special. So, yes, how do I tell their story in 90 seconds for today's millennial that might want a quick uh, quick hit on understanding what Arizona agriculture is? Well, we're trying. We're working it at every angle that we possibly can. We're and listening to the Brandons of the
1: world, by the way. That's right. That's Friends of Farm Bureau?
2: Yes, Friends of Arizona Farm Bureau is our Facebook page. And we also have a Fill Your Plate Facebook page. What
1: are there stats that talk about how many chicken wings are consumed on Super Bowl? I don't have that memorized off the top of my head, but it's, it's in the millions. It, it blows your mind. Are there any stats on how many eggs we go through on Easter? Or, or how many aren't recovered? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, That's a good thing because we always tell people before Easter, because of the heat, we recommend that you have your coloring eggs for hunting, and put them right back into the refrigerator. But depending on our uh, heat, and, you know, it's warm, so um, give those to your pets and and reserve some for your just, you know, eating, human consumption. Because once they're out of the refrigerator, like I said, they um, they lose their freshness, and that's when the problems start happening. That's a protein, and it gets gets past that 45-degree mark, and, and you you could have a problem. So don't risk getting your family sick.
1: And this is wrapping up the National Egg, Egg Salad Week. Many or-
3: people don't know that, but you're exposing some earth-breaking news that this was <laughs> National Egg Salad Week. We always get asked to bring deviled eggs. Avocados are a big thing. And by the way, uh, Jay's customers, um, avocado farmers in San Diego, the avocado trees like our Farm's Choice they product. Sure do. You forgot the wine, oh, people. It was mm-hmm. a good
0: Easter item, <laughs> right? So, yes, we sold a lot of the vendors. Yeah.
3: We know that uh, eggs, an egg salad, it pairs well with wine and um, Jay's avocado customers. But really, egg salad can be anything, and its ethnicities, you know, do. And Charmin has some great recipes on Fill Your Plate, and so does her mama,
2: Gertie's got some recipes on Fill Your Plate too. So we're totally covered.
1: Now, is there any harm? I mean, these, these dyes can't contain anything hazardous. If we found an egg a couple of weeks later, you just throw it in the compost?
0: Oh, as far as composting? Yeah. No. I mean, if someone uh,
1: something that's been all decorated and dyed up, scribbled on, and special markers on the shell.
0: You know, if you compost properly and for the right amount of time, there's only one occurring thing that can't be composted out over time and that's arsenic and so it, in theory composting is a natural cleanser of every. It, it'll wipe out anything but that one and I don't think many people are putting anything that would have arsenic, arsenic in, in, in their compost <laughs> well or in their compost pile but, but yes yeah, so no, to answer that question uh, much shorter and yeah there's no issue with with especially most food dye if you're using a food dye now if you're using paint <laughs> which i can't that might imagine. be composting that probably, a wouldn't, you probably wouldn't want to be eating those either but uh, uh,
1: and the farm stores we're still right in the middle of our spring growing season you know it's a great potting soil supplement but this is a great fertilizer as well on the pellet side of the f- well
0: we make so we make a you know a, a compost product that you get as a soil amendment you can till into the ground, mix with your native soil or other uh, uh, soil, potting soils, those types of products for planting in. But we also then make pelleted fertilizer and a non pelleted gra- uh, crumble, we call it, or it's a heat treated product uh, that's not in a pellet. So we have numerous products. We're all also, you know, talking about new items, we're working on a liquid. Product so that's in the infant stages, but that will be something that we're pretty excited about down the road for not only commercial use, but for the homeowner as well.
2: What will the liquid product be used for? I'm just curious about that one. Well,
0: liquid fertilizers are you know are used obviously commercially uh, with farmers. They'll put it right in their ditch with Mm -hmm. irrigation water or run through drip irrigation or sprinkler irrigation systems. Some of our golf courses are trying it through their sprinkle irrigation. Uh, and, you know, homeowners can just, you know, like like they use other water soluble or liquid fertilizers with their in their watering can and their containers and pots around the house. It, liquid fertilizers are much quicker acting because they're already soluble. Uh, so they're readily available to the plant. Uh, and, you know, there, a lot of people like them because they're just easier to use. You, know, you put a little bit in a watering can, mix it up, and you're ready to go.
1: So and you can see it. you know, when you put a granular out, you're never really quite sure, did I get this area covered? Did I Is this enough? Is that too much?
0: Well, and some people depending on the type of landscape they have or the irrigation system they have, it may never get. You know, I mean we get so little rain here that you know it's got to, it takes water to dissolve a granular or a dry or a pellet fertilizer.
1: Now we're still about a month away from our next citrus fertilizer, but is the pellet application something? that would be work on the citrus groves.
0: absolutely we have lots of citrus growers from mesa to Yuma in southern california that use our product and of course backyard citrus farmers urban farmers uh, greg peterson our urban farm uh, sells that at his store and uh, encourages people to
1: use it as well jay harper of the farm's choice uh, organic chicken fertilizer byproduct of hickman family farms and we've got Charmin. i love your title the spokes hen for the family
3: one of them there's plenty more
1: well thank you for being here this morning with us and julie murphy of the arizona farm bureau
2: my pleasure as always Romy.
1: and we'll be here the first saturday in may talking beef
2: yes and i've got plenty of uh, ranchers that will come in i think though you were interested in the tommerlin farmer farm or ranch family their arizona legacy beef it's very good
1: Well, we look forward to having Arizona Farm Bureau with local farmers and ranchers in the first Saturday in May here at Rosie on the House.